Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. Patrick, good morning. I'm Mark. It's going to be another great one. I know it's, uh, you know, these, these shows, we are, you know, we're creeping up on 200 You keep shows. saying that, and I think we did that about eight shows ago. I think we're in So the- we're creep. well, cre- my creep started like the, the 20, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll do the math and come in, and one of these days I'll say, this is our 200th show. Well, I feel like we might have published 200 shows, or just under 200 shows, but in the can, because, you know, we pre-record these, yeah. and so in the can... Sitting on my computer, I know that I have over <laughs> over 200 episodes of 805 Conversations. So see, there you go. Well, I want to introduce you to today's guest, Glenn Derbyshire, who is, um, we've known each other since the back of the digital days at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. So that's setting the way back, Sherman, isn't it? For sure. Um, thanks, Mark. Um, thanks, Patrick. It's uh, great to be here today. We, um, you're, you're the reason that, we know each other is because uh, Digital Days was a, a part of the film festival when digital was a novelty. Wait, Digital Days is what is because I've got a buzzword bingo you on that one because because oh. you said Digital Days and I thought oh that's a time frame, but you're talking about this was an actual thing. Yeah, so so the Santa Barbara Film Festival been around thirty five plus years. Um, came to me. I've been involved from the very beginning, and uh, they said. All this digital stuff, digital editing, digital cameras, uh, digital projection is changing the business. And for the two weeks of the year when all of these filmmakers uh, are in town, let's talk about what's going on in their industry. Because, yeah, because, you know, here I am a computer animation guy and uh, uh, my my partner was uh, in this was doing digital sound. And so we were watching the industry change and it was a way to have that conversation. And that's where we we first met. And I think it was the first digital days because if I recall, we were trying to get a live feed from the Riviera movie theater (laughs) off to the the, the big well, World Wide Web. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was very, very interesting. We were breaking new ground. Uh, we brought uh, Silicon Graphics was the company that owned us at the time, yeah. and they had this huge van uh, uh, truck. Like, tr- it was huge <laughs> that had been turned into a mobile demonstration facility. Wait, but did you take this to the Riviera? We took it to State Street. I was, I was, because that's great. That's where it should go. Because I'm trying to imagine any giant vehicle getting to the Riviera. Seems yeah. like a, like a we, stretch. We put it right on State Street. We yeah. closed off a block right in front of the Granada. Nice. And we had the kids from Santa Barbara High School Multimedia um, Design Mad Academy demonstrating how to use computers to do animation and there was a line down state street of people waiting to go through and and see what is all this new technology about and so enough about that i mean now we edit (laughs) we edit i heard uh, so we can shoot and edit films on an iphone now and we don't even think that's like what do you mean grandpa big deal Uh, i heard a story on another show tedx in india 
where a scientist met a young filmmaker who had been producing films on his phone. They met at lunch at a TEDx, and this year debuted a feature-length film that they collaborated on. I just love that kind of thing. You've been a photographer, Glenn, since you were... A kid. What did you start shooting with when you... Well, um, long story short is I was a military brat, so we traveled a lot, and in third grade we moved to Taiwan. And moving from the Bay Area to Taiwan was a culture shock. And so I think I got over there, I got a brownie camera, and then soon I got uh, one of the first Kodak Instamatics, and I've been taking- How old were you, eight, nine? Eight, nine, third grade. So I've been taking pictures since uh, I was a child. Were you using that to process the experience, this new place, and how to like how to focus and look at it and know it? I kind of think I was born to be a photographer, and in those days, a photographer was a documenter, you know, a, right. a person to capture the reality. In those days, a picture was real, you know? Yeah. It was a piece of history, so it was just such a culture shock to see the, the people of Taiwan, how different that was from us. And I just think of you as the nine-year-old author, the eight-year-old author who's, who's traveled to this, this land that is everything's different. Every single Everything. thing is different. Everything. And you as the author figuring out like how to take your point of view, your perspective as a nine-year-old, and translate that. You know, because you're not just random. Maybe you were. You're not just randomly shooting. You're finding something of interest, about taking it. a picture. And so I imagine those photos, you know, transmitted forward. I, I, have you looked at them recently? I look at them all the time. Do Most you? recently, yeah, it's been fun going back and looking where I started and where I've come now. Because huh. I started off as a picture taker. Sure, right. And now I'm more of an image maker. Hmm. So How difference. do you distinguish the difference? Photojournalism versus, um, I do primarily advertising type issues. So my photographs are usually to tell a story or to teach somebody about a product. So it went from kind of a capture the moment to more now I create the moment. Very, very intentional. Every choice is made. Everything inside the frame was a decision. Most things, yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Now our, our astute listener heard this sentence along with me about a minute ago. You said, you took pictures when a picture was real. Right. What did that mean? You know, the old saying, a picture's worth a thousand words, and the old expression, you can believe a photograph. You know, I love Photoshop, I use it every day, but now we look at images and, you know, is it real or is it fake? You know, and fake news has certainly brought that to everybody's attention, but there was a day when you looked at a photograph and it was a piece of history, it was a piece of time, and it was real. Now, with manipulation of photographs you know some are real a lot of them are and there's a lot of great people that take real photographs but there's a lot of people that manipulate the photographs and so is it 100 percent real or not well does that starts to so i teach photography occasionally and so there's there this go. conversation around um this gener the generation that's emerged into now th- these nine-year-olds that have now emerged into sure. arriving with a with a camera phone in their hand their distinction of real is their 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 definition. So you're using and throwing this this definition of real and fake around, and I would be I'm very interested to see how they look at at even the definition of the word. Sure. It has changed. Of course. So to you know what are you because I always think of real. I think of like okay, there's a truthful, reproducible, scientific reality to it that it is sincere and honest, and that there's nothing that's being kind of like um, or I'm not being manipulated as the viewer. I'm being given a data point or a bit of information that I then get to I get to be the one who interprets it versus now that none of that has anything to do with anything right. you know on Instagram right. Instagram right. is not a bit you can just change the angle and suddenly you have altered reality yep. sure of course yeah and the amount of imagery I mean right. there's just so billions, much more billions of pictures I mean a day yeah a day yeah. you know and so and I too um, teach photography and when I teach I try to teach how to capture it 
in-camera real. Mm. And if you need Photoshop later, perfect. And sometimes I do shoot thinking Photoshop, how I could maybe change a background or whatever, but I still like to teach it real, how to capture it rea with reality. Right, because whatever you get in the camera is, is the best place to start from, at least. Why not? Sure, yeah, have, sure. have the best source to begin with. For sure. I'm sorry, you got two photo geeks here. No, I love it. No, 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 come on. Uh, are you familiar with the term deep fakes? No, I'm not. So deep fakes is this notion that what we see isn't real, but as applied to video. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, this, is, this is an emerging thing. Right this now. is yeah, the yeah, new. Yeah. Right. So we can actually with uh, the experiment that everyone is familiar with is Obama giving a speech that he never gave. Hmm. Right. right. And and done pretty convincingly. And, and so what we believe, and there was also controversy when photography was first invented was, is that real? There, yes. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the photographer who was, who was fired kind of at the emergence of, of Photoshop in the, in the uh, mid 2000s um, because he, he repositioned, it was a, like a war scene and he repositioned a soldier closer to, to like he, he, through cropping and slight editing, he, he made it more dramatic. He, yep. he brought the danger closer. Yep. And they were like, we have to fire this guy from yep. the New York Times. And you think like, wow, but he just. He, made a better picture. And everything in the photo was, was accurate. Yeah. He, yeah. Just, he just yeah. cropped and repositioned slightly. And you're like, oh, that's enough. And that was, you know, 15 years ago. That's enough to get you fired. So, Glenn, as, as a strange kid in a strange land, eight years old in Taiwan, I, I just can't imagine. Uh, How did you get your I film developed? I developed it all myself. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, being a military brat, military bases had plenty of places for kids to, uh, you know, to work, and they had dark rooms. And Crazy. My dad was an officer, and he was in Vietnam, you know, commuting back and forth. Yeah. And so, you know, they gave a lot of uh, sports activities, a lot of art activities, and photography was one of the many arts that they offered us, and huh. I lived in the dark room. Wow. Lived. Did you film? Was it the PX? Where'd you get your film? At the BX, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Huh. The... Um, where did you go after China? After Taiwan, um, the Vietnam War ended, so then we moved to upstate New York. <laughs> Again, well, totally uh, different they moved Another dad. foreign land. Well, my dad's an officer and yeah. uh, uh, he ran airstrips, and he, uh, they took us to an Air Force base with no airplanes. So this oh, was, cool. that was really good. Yeah, so, yeah. so we lived in New York for two years, and then uh, from New York we moved to Virginia. And that's really where the photography thing came full circle. Teenager I, by that time? Or... Junior high. Junior high, yeah. Eighth grade. Yeah. So we moved every two years, so yep. you can kind of right. do the math. Yep. But by that point, um, the junior highs had yearbooks, and so I was the uh, photographer, writer. Photo. You had a uh, job. You got a job. I got a yes. job. Right. And so right. that became the beginning of basically storytelling, taking yeah. pictures, laying them out, and writing the words. And that trajectory made sense at of the course. time. Like, this yeah. is how you're... Yeah. And, and if you think about your peers at the time, how many of them were... You were probably... That was part of your identity, the photographer. Here of course. The, Glenn, the photographer. There was one or two of us in the school. I mean, right, right. Not, not many people had cameras. In and now place. every single high schooler has a camera in their pocket. That's I, the difference. There were so few cameras in comparison to yeah, today. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the high school question here. Uh, so the guitar player always got the girls. Yeah, Does yeah. the photographer <laughs> always get the girls? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay, kids, listen, get a camera. Uh, that's, uh, no, I, I don't know why I thought of that joke of the, 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 not a joke, but the guy who would wander the beach 
with no film in the camera and then take pictures of the bikini girls. No, yeah, you're shaking it. Yeah, that wasn't you. That no, wasn't um, me. So high school was more of a photojournalistic thing. I got to capture the sports, the plays, the events, everything. You there. did everything. Everything. So you I got to miss a, a lot of school, which was great. Fortunately, I was an A student, so I was able to kind of make all that work. So. Your portfolio at the end of high school must have been a, a very established portfolio from, I mean, from nine-year-old in China all the way up. I mean, I never thought of it as a portfolio. It was just a, it was just yeah. photographs. You know, you yeah. don't really think about a photograph sometimes till you hit 57 and you start <laughs> going back and, you know, looking at every, because I kept everything. I have every yeah. picture I've ever taken, you know, uh, or every, every one of personal, you know, value, not every small product job, sure. but, you know, all yeah. of the art stuff that I've kept and all the stuff in those early days I still have. So then um, you're deciding what college you want to go to and you decide to uh, do a career in photography. Of course. And Santa Barbara, for our listener, uh, we're in 42 countries, so people may not know that uh, the Brooks Institute of Photography uh, was founded here by Ernie Brooks. Uh, I think Senior? they had four campuses at one time yeah uh thou literally thousands of photographers came through here and learned every aspect of photography um all of my kids were uh, subjects of uh, brooks uh, <laughs> students who, i yeah, need a baby i need if a you've baby been to the farmer's market you know when i it was like there was always a big lens walking around the farmer's market. Exactly. Well, back in the day, there was three photography schools, and um, Brooks certainly was my pick. Uh, and then once I came to look at it, I fell in love with Santa Barbara. And, well, who yeah. doesn't, right? Right. It's, it was an easy sell. Where did yeah. you? Where were you coming from at that point? Um, after high school, I was in Virginia. I moved to Lake Tahoe. Had a little ski thing I had to get out of my system. Went Everybody for, does. Went for one year, <laughs> stayed for four. Yeah. yeah. Lived in Truckee. Had yeah. a small studio in downtown Truckee, and. Worked on ski films and ran a studio and all knowing that I wanted an education and Brooks was it. And like I said, I drove down, went to Santa Barbara and fell so, in love. But, but it was you had already kind of had some adultness. You had kind of like grown up, figured out how to be yourself and it stuck. You kept making photographs after the high school and you kept, you know, you, you pushed towards the passion. I started making a living at it at age 16. Right. At age 21, 22, I knew I needed to know more yeah and, you, you know, needed I, to codify it turn it into a profession rather than just this thing you're sure good at. sure yeah. and brooks was an easy uh easy uh, uh place to attend uh, so, so the the person who's listening right now is chances are the entrepreneurial business person you always uh, imagine that but it's my mom <laughs> i know hey mom how are you uh, she loves the show uh we we got all kinds of people but there are people thinking about how do i turn it might be turn that passion into a business so you knew you knew and then taught yourself and then learned through professionals and now teach everything there is about cameras and lenses and light and emulsions all, all i mean it's there's the science there's the art there's all of that then there's the technology where did you get your business education though the business education um well, I'll first of all say anybody who runs a photography business or a creative business, you have to wear many hats. And so I learned early on, having a dad in the military, that you have to manage the money as well as manage getting the job delivered on time. So I always looked at it as wearing many hats. So I early learned uh, how to do accounting, and I learned how to... Oh, you did? Sure. So I learned accounting, but well, then... Well, you said sure, just like, oh, yeah, well, everybody but does all, that. But all, but all 
blame it on this thing over here is that I bought one of the very first Macintoshes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a really, you know, when I went to Brooks and when I bought the Mac, I brought it in about halfway through and they all said, this is never going to, you know, what good is that? We'll catch That's, on. They all had Osborne's, yeah. these yeah, little yeah. screens yeah. about this big. and. Yeah. And I had this Mick Draw and Mick Paint and yeah. stuff like that. And I had the early Photoshop, which I think was called Darkroom or something early yeah. on. So uh-huh. I had, you know, so. I'm going to pause you for just sure. a second because I want to give a shout out to the Knoll brothers okay. who wrote, invented Photoshop. Hmm. Just learned last night they're getting a Scientific and Technical Achievement Award from the Motion Picture Academy for the development of Photoshop. Wow. Um, those guys are absolutely spectacular how they figured that out. Were they from Florida? Could, no, they're from the Bay Area. Yeah, without oh. a doubt. Great yeah. shout out. Yeah. 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 So anyway, to, back to <laughs> well, so teaching. Then, so you get this computer. And so, you know, I think some of the earlier softwares were FileMaker Pro. So everything was yeah. lists mm-hmm. and yep. stuff like that. So I learned, I mastered that program, and that's how I started keeping track of names and but contacts. Wasn't, and but wasn't that just another process that you needed to learn? Like, it, photography for you was a mechanical process where you had to learn. Absolutely. And continue to learn. Right. The numbers that correlated to this, the formula for this lens. the form, What are my you know, apertures? What, sure. How much chemical oh, do math, I add to right? this? And so I see, like, it makes a ton of sense that you would just translate that into, oh, is there another process I need to know accounting? Okay. Is there another process I need to know graphic design? Great. I have to learn. It's just another thing right. that adds to, you know what I mean? Like, you were already primed for learning processes. Without a doubt. You yeah. know. So then I started teaching business at Brooks. Oh, funny. Which was funny. Because, well, you know, they brought me in as an alumni to start teaching some of the business courses. Because nobody else had spent any time Well, learning. they didn't really push it when I was yeah. in school. But again, it's all about organization, keeping track of stuff, setting yeah. up a reputation, delivering on time, and things like that. And of course, handling the money. You know, handling the money was a big part of it. And You're, that's... you're saying this, though, as if it's just a, such a matter-of-fact Thing. And it's and it's not a matter of fact. No, because that that, that that photographer is getting started is doing a wedding for you know fifteen hundred dollars, and it's like oh here's the cash, and you go oh, wow great, but you, you know it's like but what you need to do is enter that in the spreadsheet. And, well, it's you know. a it's a left right brain thing. You know, right. there's a lot of artists, and you probably have a lot of friends or artists that you know don't make a living at it. And I had a lot of friends that made money but weren't happy at what they did. So mm-hmm. my whole thing to was it. to try to get a lifestyle that would promote a profession. And so mm. I've worked you know, all these years to try to combine the two. It's, photography for me is, it was never work. Doing the accounting is a little bit more work, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a, you know, I always knew you had to combine the two. You know, have the left it. brain, right brain, you know? So our, our, our astute listener is also paying attention to the fact that he dropped something very, very subtle early on. Well, I was an A student, I didn't, I could be away from. <laughs> Uh, my classes so that you know you brought some horsepower to the party uh, with that and and an ability to learn so I'm going to take us through you taught yourself then video and video editing and how again 3d animations and and I love that Patrick it's just it's just another another process Right. Yeah, so no, that's no, our, no. Is that our T-shirt for the show? It might be. It's well, just know, another photo- process. You're a photographer. I have a little bit of an ability to remember anything I see. You I'm, know, a, I'm, so. I'm a sculptor who teaches photography, okay. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank, thank you for even remotely including me in that. You know. <laughs> well, there you go. No, you're right, though. The visual, the visual connection of things. It's yeah. a visual. So the Macintosh brought everything you know, to visual, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and right. so, you know, even music, we still, we make our own music now, but when music became visual, it made a lot more sense to me because I could see it. Yeah. So hear it as well, but the scene. Part oh no, I'm looking, I'm looking at the waveform over here of the, of the intro music. Right. I mean, that's, you know, it's like without that visual and I'm using a, a, an Adobe software to do that. Cause I've been, I've been on Adobe since 95. 
And that's when I, and I, and at the time, I don't remember what they were calling it, but like I've been on a Macintosh since 84, 85, when my mom brought yep. one home in the yep. summer from the elementary school that she was working at because nobody knew what to do with it. It was just sitting there. Right. And it was that same thing of like, oh, suddenly I get it because it's visual. I can see where the, there's a yep. mouse. Give me, give me a visual interface yeah. and I'm good to go. To fully answer your question is I've always, I've always been a teacher, you know, teaching swimming lessons to, you know, teaching photography. But actually, I've always been a student. You know, I ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I'm always mm -hmm. learning. And so Watch the more one, I do one, teach one. The more I taught, the more I learned. And by teaching, you know, it's just a great. Uh, That's it, right? When you're standing in front of some, any group of people right. and you actually have to say out loud yes. whatever it is that you believe. Right. That's the moment when you actually, I always feel like that's the moment when I'm like, oh, that, that is what I think this, how this works or sure. the best way to do this process. But it's having the audience who's looking at you going, what, what do we do? Where do we put it? What do we, you know, what's, what's required? Sure. And we've talked about photography, but, you know, we should also talk about reinvention. I mean, mm -hmm. when I first graduated from Brooks, there was, I'm going to say, hundreds of photographers and yep. easily 100 photo studios, if not more. And you could probably count the number of studios in town on your hand. There's not that many left. So, you know, because of the Macintosh, I could see that photography was changing. And all of us who are in the technology world know you have to keep uh, reinventing. So yeah. although photography is a, a, a big part of my daily life, we actually work on the whole process. Because if you were still shooting the same photos you were shooting when you graduated. Oh, I wouldn't make a living in, in this right. town. It would, be, it would be much more difficult to make a living in this town doing that. But we ended up getting several big clients and handle all of their needs from mm -hmm. the writing to their photography, from their video to their, you know, created, you know, video, um, you know, 3D animations or, you know, mm. created uh, images on the computer. So, so let's fast forward to <laughs> 15 years ago. There you go. Um, you bought the Cielo store, I did. which is up at the top of the San Marcos Pass. Now, uh, listeners who are not familiar with this area, Santa Barbara is um surrounded on three sides by mountains and on the fourth side by the pacific ocean and it's a spectacular mountain range uh, that you can easily get to the top of in eight minutes nine minutes uh with your car sure um <laughs> if you're not driving too fast i, th I thought by foot i'm like what <laughs> yeah. are you no, running no, up? if you drive but but it's they're right here the mountains are yeah, right here yeah. exactly and at the very top the top of the pass is is a store uh, called the Cielo store. And Cielo is? Sky. There you go. East Camino Cielo, Road to the Sky. Yes. And that is, uh, it is a magnificent drive, a spectacular place. What, uh, in what parallel universe <laughs> that we've not been talking about here did you say, well, I want to go buy the Cielo store? Well, the building I had before the Cielo store was the Riviera, you know, the, the building behind the Riviera Theater, which was the old gymnasium up on the Riviera campus. So I had a 10,000 square foot building that I lived in and worked in. So I love the concept of having a live work environment. So I spent two years looking for something to buy and I was visualizing kind of a house with a barn um, and what showed up was the Cielo store. Um, it's right at the top, like you said, of the pass. I used to live just a, uh, about a mile down the road up until the Panty Cave fire, so I was very familiar with the mountains. And, um, well, the, the building just had all the, the right parts. It's close to the beach in the mountains. I like the mountain setup. Uh, it was a 6,000 square foot building, uh, and it's flat, so I'm on the top of the mountain. So, you know, it just was a dream come true to find something, but it was broken when I bought it. Broken. How's that? It had been empty for over 10 years. Mm. Oh. 
So, and most of the things have been stolen. You know, the, the stoves were stolen and, you know, most of the, the parts of the, of the store itself were gone. Um, so I bought it from a guy um, as is, and uh, I'm happily celebrating the end of this month, uh, 15 years of completely, you know, converting it to a home and a studio. And so it is. It is no longer a store. It's no longer a store. Right. It is still zone commercial, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking of some of the famous uh, retreats, production retreats that that we may or the listener may or may not be familiar with, but places where artists come to create and people come to create. Is, is that the vibe of your place? Um, the vibe of my place now. I think it's uh, a comfortable private place. You know, I mean, the clients that I do have that come up, it's part home, part work. We do have it separated, but it's artist eclectic is what I'd like to say because I did most of the work myself and I um, was able to tear down several buildings and houses and took all the raw materials out of these buildings to build what is now kind of a unique, uh, you know, environment. So when your clients are working on a project, do they just come and kind of camp out there for a while or? Well, most of my clients, we work over the internet and FedEx and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the modern world. You yeah, know. right. Um, so, you know, my I have a couple of local clients that still do all their, their voiceover sessions up there and we do some of the video filming and stuff there. But uh, really now it's really a place where my staff comes up and we uh, we start early every day. Um, and we create stuff. Like I said, we have ongoing clients, so most of our projects never end. They are a continual. Those are the best kind, right? The best kind. Right. You know. I like that annual recurring or monthly recurring. We have new projects. Well, back in the day, I used to always say I get fired after every job because all my jobs were one-time jobs. So right. when you get fired after every job, you better have your marketing hat on to keep the, the calendar book for the next job. But I kind of try to, when I moved to the mountains, to position myself to have bigger clients with a lot of visual needs from one end to the other. So our job is to get to know them, they get to know us, we get to know how we work together, but we handle all of their needs from still photographs to computer generated animations and or combining, you know, combining all those elements with music to make shows, commercials, web content, that kind Do of Do you have a favorite part of that process cuz I as you said earlier in the show, you know, there's you, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. I get that. Um, you know, even doing podcasting. Um, we we do shows here, uh, but I also do shows at a home studio, and, and you've got, there's 37 things on that checklist you've got to <laughs> do. Is there something that you like, have you come to like over all these years more than anything else? It's a combination. I really like the direct client with all the contact, or the, the direct contact with the, the interaction, clients, the interaction, the the creative process. Because they, if they knew what they wanted, they would do it. They need me to help them. <laughs> right. So I love that. Yes. But I really like the art direction. You know, I really like oh. coming up with the idea. I like creating the brand, creating the look. What's the what? How are we going to message them? What What are they supposed to look like in their photograph? I, I like the art direction side of it. So although I'm involved with every project and I have great staff that work for me. I really like that combination of working with the client one-on-one -on -one and then acting as the art director as well. So do you, so I've, I've got experience working with ad agencies, biggest customers, J. Walter Thompson, McCann, Erickson, those in New York, um, who typically will come in with a brief, right? So sure. do your clients come in with a brief and say, you know, this is what our, our 
our agency is looking for? Are they smaller? And they're like, gosh, we don't really know what our visual ID needs to be. Help us out, Glenn. Well, you look in Santa Barbara, how many real ad agencies are left in Santa Barbara? So I wasn't getting hired by ad agencies, although that was my dream. So we kind of created our own. You know? well, that's so, where I'm going. Sure. It's like you, you again, your MO is to, there's a gap. I've got to fill that gap, right? right? Whether I've got to learn a new process to fill that gap Without or... You know, I find so you so you become a full service digital agency, correct? Right, because you've also said that you love to write. Right, we big, say creative. Big, we we consider ourselves creative, creative as opposed to digital, because digital is it's just how it, it's that's just how, a way to get something. We done. drink water. You know, yeah. Yeah. I do we lot, breathe. We I do a lot of pencil sketches as well. I still love the yellow pad. So, um, so we have we have a creative business is what we call it, and it's growing and changing. I mean, there was a day when we probably had 10 or 12 local clients and did local ads for every independent and for every Santa Barbara magazine and all that. Well, those days are have changed. I mean, I don't recommend people doing print ads at this point in the game. So we're always looking at our clients' current needs and trying to anticipate where technology is going. And we try to move them in the direction that has been changing, you know, for the last 20 years. So Learning a new process. Yeah, always. It's, it's right. never it's, ending. It's a theme. It's so never ending. I want to follow, I want to pull on the thread a little bit about sure. not having clients here. So the show is called 805 Conversations. And ostensibly, right. we, we talk to people in San Luis Obispo County, Santa Barbara County, Ventura right. County. We, you know, because there's, there's the, the thing that ties us all together is the 101. Uh, yet we have listeners all over the world. And one of the things that's interesting about the businesses in this region is most of them have clients that are not in this region, right. which is ironic because you kind of want to – I know for myself when I have a local client, I am so happy. Agreed. You know, it's just cause, because you get to enjoy the physical space. You get to sit down with them and work and you're not – you know, on a uh, an internet call or something like that. Sure. So, how do you go about marketing yourself, knowing that? Well, and, and this is a tip for the listener because I want the listener to think about: you've got a creative person with a creative business, very visual, and and geographically isolated. I mean, you're up on the mountain, right? Sure. Pure and simple. How do you do that? Well, for the last twenty years. It's been the same clients, a handful of clients that I've done everything for. And then from that, you get an industry. So one of the industries that I've become very involved with is a high-tech den dentistry thing. Okay. So once you get involved with that, they start seeing these animations. They start seeing video that looks a little different. We, we don't try to do work that's here. We always try to set the standards a lot higher. Right. So I got involved brand. with this dental thing 20 years ago. Uh. So from this dental thing, I've picked up clients. And one of our bigger ones is, you know, is international. So... So wait, wait. Okay, so I'm going to pause you for a okay, second because, because you go, I pick up clients, but that that's a very like that for you. You know what that means. There's a simple translation in your mind when you say you pick up a client. But are you saying like, like you're being invited to conferences? You're talking to other dentists. How are you reaching out and finding? You don't pick up another client. They call you. you just, they get your phone number from the first client. Well, we talked about many hats. My marketing hat is on twenty four seven. Uh, okay, so I don't go to a lot of big mixers and I don't hand out a lot of business cards, but I am looking for clients that fit, that's the right fit. Yeah. And for me, it's all fit. I don't look just for anybody. I look for the ones that have the right fit. It's going to be a big contract. Sure. So for the dental thing, I started going to the dental conventions. There it is. And it was so fun to go there and see all the screens and there was my you're stuff. The, you're the nine-year-old. Nobody the, knew who yeah. I was because, right. you know, nobody knew who the work was done, but it's easy to go up and start talking to them. Yeah, I did that. And so, yeah, and the biggest thing is, is 
I talk dentistry. I talk their talk, you know, so I can right. really talk in a dental. You He's know, one of us. You learned, of us. you learned their language. I have, yeah, well, with every client we have, we have to learn their language. That's part of getting to know them. You see that thread, right? Like, I'm not making that yeah, thread up. No, like, you're a no. nine-year-old kid yeah. in the middle of, you know, a new city that you don't know, and you find a way to interact with that city via, you know, your camera. Sure. You know, you move to upstate New York, you find a way to, you move to a junior high, and you find a way to interact with your, you know, you, you go to a dental conference and find a way to interact with, with a bunch of people you don't know sure. that aren't you, right. you're not a dentist. So to get back to your question, and it's a good question because I just made my first website after 20 years. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, for 20 years, yeah. I was, you know, the, the shoemaker whose kids yeah. don't have shoes. Yeah, right. you know, I was busy making other people's things. And at the same time, I was renovating the store. You know, the Seattle store was a 15-year construction project, and I was very involved with every part of that. So fortunately, I had enough work, you know, so it's great. Sometimes you have to go out and market to get the kind of work that you want. So I made a website, you know. Um, as you probably know, when you looked and did a, a little digital uh, look around me, I'm very private. I, ha I don't make a lot of Facebook posts. I'm not on Instagram and all that. Although I do all those things for my client, I've kept a very low profile. Because again, handling potential new clients is a full-time job in and of itself, and I had the work. But now I'm um, looking for new stuff. So I did make a website. I made a list. I went through all of my Rolodexes. I mean, it's all digitalized. You know, my contacts on my Mac. And I picked all of the people that I wanted to go after. And so right now I'm just working my way down the list. I, I hand call every one of them and I tell them what, what I want and what I'm looking for. So it's a real grassroots thing because, like I said, I'm not looking for 10 clients. I'm looking for one or two, but the ones with the right fit that have the right the right message and, and can use enough of my services to... Is that, is that about because you're at a place now in your career where you don't want to spend 40 hours working on a, on a client that's just no fun? That's just sure. not your gig? Well, it's that and money. I mean, yeah. I have clients that love to... Uh, you know, offer you a piece of the back end of projects. Sure, yeah, yeah, How many yeah. of those yeah. have you been offered? No, no, no thank you. Yeah. Know, Don't ever do that, you listener. Know, so, you know, I always say marketing has to be on many levels. Yeah. You know, you have to always look for those small jobs. It's always good to look for those medium-sized jobs while you're looking for the big jobs. You know, if you get a big job, I still like to do the small jobs. So some people said, you still shoot headshots? Of course. It's fun. You know, now it's fun. I used to shoot, you know, a couple hundred head of shots a week. That was work. Well, now I might do one or two. It's fun. So I always like to say, look for the small jobs. Look for the middle jobs while you're looking for the big one. And I'm looking for the big one. Now that um, well, we had an ongoing set in the studio for like the last five years, we just donated. We had a full working dental operatory in the studio. We just <laughs> donated it to the, the West Side Clinic. Um, so they're going to be using it over on Milpas. So we're really excited about that. Um, but now the set is empty. And so we actually the furniture moved out last Friday. So now we have an empty stage. So we're looking now to try to fill that with a show that has the right right fit and the right message and something that maybe has some meaning some you know some teeth you know well <laughs> nice well, <to> well <laughs> some teeth well the first offer i had of course always was to be the 420 guy you know i've had oh, sure. several yeah, people yeah, yeah. you know that's a subject that you have to choose yourself but i'm not going to do a show on we that's just not but i've had many people like that and of course porn always comes up when you have a studio which is you know so mm. not what I'm interested in but you know when you have a studio you you start putting out your feelings right. you know, you that get... was, I didn't know that I was in, in 95 I was in I moved to the San Fernando Valley and I was editing uh -oh. um, I was well I was just editing I was editing uh, commercial production we were post house and we just did uh, we did corporate stuff and a lot of uh, bar mitzvahs and weddings and, and stuff like that. And so I would say like people would be like oh what do you do and I'd be like oh I you know I edit digital video out in the valley and they'd be like oh 
I'd mm. be like, I don't know what the O means. What is the Because I was from Washington <laughs> State. I was like, what does that O mean? I don't. Oh. What are you talking about there? And they're like, oh, well, that means you're in the industry. You're in the porn industry and you just don't want to say it. And I'm like, what? Wait, uh, what? No, I, I'm i in the wedding. and I'm in the opposite <laughs> industry. The boring. I didn't know you could do that. What's, what are you talking about? Yeah, that, that industry is always showing up. Sure. Yeah. So still getting back to this marketing thing, it's it's a it's a tough one, you know, today. You know, there's lots of ways. Um, there's no one way anymore. I mean, it's funny. Mm. You still see source books out there, which I can't believe people still do, but, but tell, people Tell do. the listener what it, I know what it is, but tell the well, listener a, what a source book it's is. It's a book that will have one or two or three pictures showing your photography or your illustration or your graphic <laughs> design. Conventional book, and oftentimes they're online as well. That was an early way for high-end artists to, you know, to get but, known by ad agencies. That, and that was your book was compiled into a thousand other photographers into one book or illustrators and, and, or, or right. And when you go into the ad agency or the creatives, you right. look and you see that. And now that's almost, I mean, just thinking about yeah, that you're is, describing, is, I'm like, is like, wait, a chunk. no, no, it was incredible. a thing reminds me of the very first couple of years of the internet you would you could go buy a book that was full of web addresses yeah. it was oh, like yeah. oh yeah it's like really yeah. um so you um i want to transition sure. uh you so you launched this website it's studio 2050 studio 2050.com and you now now i know ex I'm, I'm it's all making a lot of sense you i think posted it on facebook I'm not yet. Guessing. Not yet. M maybe not yet. Not yet. Some, so I was one of the people you called. You dropped me a note. So tell us, tell the listener how that worked. Well, it's a little more cosmic than that. I just started making my phone calls, and I, as I was going through my list, I was handwriting lists of people I thought I should probably, you know, address. I got a Facebook suggestion with your name on it that day. Oh, that's crazy. So I, I told you that was five weeks ago. So that was right. right about the same time you said you were on the pass. So I've always right. thought that was a little funny. But your name just popped up and I haven't really heard your name in you know in 15 years, years since yeah. I've been up on top of the hill. Yeah. So I went to your Facebook and I saw the common friends that we had, which were a lot. Right. And then I read about the 805 Connect and right. you know, six weeks later here we are. Boom, you know? boom. So yeah. So. We, and it started with the phone and, and that's how it that's how it goes. But that's right? marketing today. You know right. and so the one thing I will make a distinction is a lot of people market themselves to an ad agency. Well, that's one type of work to get. I tend to go to the owners of companies. Mm. So we come in highest on the food chain. So we are the creative people, we're the writers, we're the web people, we're the photographers, we're the video people. So I, I typically work with the owners of companies versus going to ad agencies. Although I wish there was a J. Walter Thompson in town or a, <laughs> you know, or a shy day or something like that, because I would love to work that. And I did go to New York and did my small New York thing and did a little bit of agency work. It's tough. It's tough. I like the client direct stuff. It is brutal. It's brutal. It's not tough. It's, it's tough. It is brutal. Yeah. They're they're getting hammered. I mean, as an industry, that's just getting hammered big time. How do you grab attention? We've had this conversation in this room many I'm times. Sure. You know, with you know people who are thinking about how do I get the attention of my buying public, which now is you know lives on the phone. So word lives of mouth. On a screen. I still believe that you know you and I could text all day long, and you know what? We're not we're communicating, but we're not really communicating. Right. I still like to talk on the phone. We use Skype and FaceTime a lot because I really think it's the personal thing. You know, I think you know we're going to come full circle. So one of these days that doing everything over the internet is one way, but I still think the one-on-one -on -one you know conversations are still the best. So for me, I look for the right people, the right fit that we talked about, and then I try to nurture those. And you know, I always look at it like a tree. You know, you have to plant a seed. 
seed to grow the tree. From the tree, you bear the fruit. Yep. So it's a process. So I'm always marketing, even when I'm busy. And I think that's the biggest mistake most artists I know have is, oh, I can't return that call. On a project. I'm too busy. Well, I'm never too busy. I, I keep track of who I'm working with or who I'm marketing to. Again, the tree concept. And there's always time. We all have time. Time is unlimited. We have time. So it's just a matter of how you choose to use your time. So even though you're busy on a project, you still have to keep that marketing hat on, which is just a, a form of communication, you know, real communication, not just texting back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we text, but half the time I feel like people aren't reading or they're not re comprehending everything that how, was texted. Oh. How it, that's the thing that gets me all the time is, is when people are just kind of like, hey, did you see that article on the such and such? And you go... You go, uh, no, I'm gonna, tell me about it. And they're like, well, I didn't read it, but this is what, and I'm going to tell you about it. And it's like, well, you don't have the information. Right. You know, you, well, I heard in a text, and it's like, you don't have the information. This isn't a story. We do one show here for um, Big Speak, which is a, um, a local Santa Barbara. I know Ken Sterling. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, probably showed up on the Facebook as one of mutual client, friends. He was a client of mine 25 years ago. Oh, mm. great. So. Well, we've had Ken on the show, and, and, uh, and I listened he to said, um, you know, what could you do for us? And so it's like, let's interview their speakers, right? That well, none of them live here. So <laughs> it, everything we did was, um, you know, remotely. And the show, the shows were good, but they, they weren't, um, they didn't have a spark. They were harder. They were they're, harder they're to harder. do. Yeah, yeah. they're harder. Because sure. we couldn't have the human connection. And so they have a new marketing person. So season two for us with them, we said, uh, these speakers come to Santa Barbara and visit you when they're here pop them over here to the studio we're right downtown and ever since we made that decision the shows have been <laughs> we keep getting this feedback like wow you guys are this show's really good this year and we're like yeah it's in person it's <laughs> yeah. in person it's face to face well, it's yeah. magic it's magic it's magic right? yeah. it's magic that's yeah. it right? it's magic yeah. right so. yeah so um, I, I think the, the lesson one of the lessons there is just Use the phone as a f the, your computer in your pocket a as a phone. Sure. Right. It actually. <laughs> Wait. What's it do? Yeah. I it, don't understand. You can actually talk to people. So you can find a phone booth. Is yeah. that what you're saying? That you yeah. Find you a place can to go call? see them while you're talking. That's I weird. insist when I'm doing that. Turn your camera on. I don't want to turn my camera. I'm not recording this. I want to see you while I talk to you. Right. And if you need to do something, we can talk later. But yeah. I, I kind, I insist on it. I'm a little bit of a pest about that i like it I'm yeah it's with a, you. it makes a huge it makes a huge difference yeah. well when they say 76 percent of communication is nonverbal, when we've talked about nonverbals, i want i'm whereas humans we're reading all of that stuff and if i can't see you i'm losing three quarters of the conversation which i don't want to do sure we have speaking of time we have just zipped through our time. Our listener has been very attentive in listening to all of this. Um, I appreciate here getting the full story back to being a, you know, a youngster with that brownie camera. Mm. I can't imagine what it was like teaching yourself the darkroom process. My brother built a darkroom in our garage. You just looked it up on the internet, right? <laughs> 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 you just looked it up on the website, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, he, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't do that. Yeah. Um, but now you've, you know, uh, full circle. Uh, I, I love, I, I, I took a specific note when you said you've been teaching all of your life. 
And in my mind, I said, you know, you've been learning all of your life because I've, I learned a long time ago that the teacher is just the other side of the student coin. Without when you flip it, it's who knows where it's going to come down. Really great teachers are really great students. And really great students are going to be great teachers. Agreed. And if you're neither one of those, just don't try to be that. That's fine. <laughs> no, that happens. You just go, yeah. no, just, yeah. no, that's no, not your jam. At, I'm laughing at the truth of it. Yeah, yeah, it's not not your jam. Uh, uh, another thing I wanted to mention, and then we're going to wrap it up, is you talked about pencil. You love drawing with pencil. I'm huge with that. Huge. And then I saw, again, I'm going to go back to Facebook, and bombarding me with ads of stuff that it thinks I'm going to like. Mm. And it kind of did. <laughs> of course <laughs> it did. There's <laughs> a thing called Remarkable. Okay. Which is a computer. It's, a, it's like an iPad, and mm -hmm. you can draw on it. But their thing is it feels like paper when you're drawing. Hmm. And I You know, I, you can I, buy I a know. peanut butter and jelly sandwich at the grocery store. You know, I with know. the crust already cut off. Well, so I'm I'm thinking about reinventing something. No, that no, no, no. It just no, I want to go try one. Yeah. And because I think I'm gonna be disappointed because when I saw the <laughs> photograph of the hand on it. It's like, no, that's too small. I need a big piece of paper. Like when I'm drawing, yeah, I yeah. want, you know, yeah, in sure. fact, I like to stand up and draw As on glass, right? You know, that's that's the thing. Um, thank you so much, sure. Glenn, uh, for spending time with us. Now, uh, you've listened to the show. I have. So you know that we get to the end of the show. And uh, as a, a creative marketing person, you're thinking you're writing all the time. I love this. This is going to be easy for you. Uh, someone has listened to another one of the 805 shows and they go, gosh, that was good. May I have another? And they're scrolling through the list of titles and we want them to listen to your show next. What's the title of your show? Oh my gosh, you're throwing me on the spot. Um, yes, <laughs> by design. <laughs> I watched a lot of the shows. I didn't watch any of the endings, so I didn't know about this part was coming. So This happens. <laughs> people, people opt out at this last moment and they, they, they miss it. Well, the creative process is a process, you know? It's mm, pretty good. You know, you guys are all big on the process, but I don't know, creative process is a process, or? What do you think, Professor? I think, it's, no, it's great, because you're mentioning creative and you're mentioning process, so there's two different things for people to grab onto there. Yeah, I I, I love that. I'm. I, there was so much of what you were saying I was identifying with in terms of uh, the art and the business. I started a tie-dye business when I was 14. You know, and, and it was understanding the money, understanding how do I go get customers? How do I, you know, what's my supply chain? Though I didn't know that's what it was called. My supply chain was thrifty, so I could go buy white T-shirts and mm. red dye. Nice. Um, and then teaching other people. So we've it, it feels like we've been on a parallel path this whole time. Sure. Though you get to live on the top of the mountain, dude. That's <laughs> love pretty, pretty spectacular up there. Well, I'll say one thing. I think the, the, the key now for anybody who's doing art is to really have the old school with the new school. Mm. You know, if you're only relying on an app or a piece of software, I think it's limiting. You know, all the people that worked for me all were you know, screen printers or musicians or writers or drawers or, you know, airbrush artists. I handled, you know, I did most of those. I think having the, the old school skills with the new school skills, that's where you can really, um, you know, so that's why I say I, I still sketch most of my logos out before I ever jump on a computer so I don't look at a blank screen. So I still think, you know, sometimes the old stuff is really a, a great way to um, transition to the digital side before you, uh, you know, really want to, you know, it's just a way of getting it out. That's a great way to end the show. Um, 
Thank you so much. Thank I you. also want to thank uh, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner here, Pull String Press. Now, speaking of making things, yeah. right, um, there's making, and Seth Godin did a show uh, recently, he said there's making and there's marketing. Okay. And what is one of the great new ways to market? <laughs> it's not even that new anymore. I know, it, it, right? New to you. It could be new to it you. It could be new to the there. person listening. You're listening and you're thinking, oh my, this podcast has deeply influenced me. I wonder if I could make a deeply influencing podcast. Well, yes, you can. Come talk to us. We'll put one together for you. We have um, we have not just a room and not just microphones and not just uh, uh, the, the technology that will support you making a podcast, but we also have the knowledge and uh, the emotional support that will get you uh, over the hump that makes you feel like, I don't think i could be important well you are important come make a podcast and let's get you permanently on the record stating your ideas and out in the world one of the superpowers that patrick has is he is a really good writer oh, thanks. and uh helps on several shows uh in doing the writing so uh, that's, that's one of my a, favorite parts it is it yeah. really is the storytelling so um if you want to know more about that or you have an idea for a guest or you think you should be on the show Drop us a note, mark at 805connect.com, and we'll be in touch. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 